29 through 31 is pretty much the same things happening. But uh, back in chapter 28, um, verse 13, uh, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then... That's, that's God's promise to Jacob when Jacob actually fir- first encounters God on a personal basis right there. And then in verses 20 and 21 is Jacob's vow back to God. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. So... God makes a promise to Jacob, Jacob makes a vow to him, and then Jacob goes on his way. And he goes, and uh, as we've been studying in the last uh, couple chapters about uh, Laban, um, who uh, is Jacob's uh, uncle, and also Jacob works for him, and... uh, the Lord blesses Laban greatly through the efforts that Jacob makes. But Jacob, you know, he, he's still kind of a sneaky guy. He's the guy that stole his brother's birthright. And uh, his brother wanted to kill him when he left home. And that's the kind of guy Jacob is. And so, even though he's encountered God, he really hasn't changed that much. And you know, it, sometimes we're like that. When I came to Jesus... It wasn't all of a sudden I was super Christian. I still did a lot of things that I shouldn't have. And Jacob's still in that, that mode, and God's molding him as he goes along through his life. So we're going to go to chapter 31 in verse 1. Now when Jacob hears the, heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what? belong to our father has made all his wealth so now back in verse in chapter 30 you know Jacob wanted to go home he'd been 20 years he'd been working for Laban and uh, it took him seven years to get his first wife and then seven years to get the wife he wanted and then another six years he worked and he told uh, he told uh, Laban well That's how long he was before he left. But anyway, he told Laban, you know, I want to go home. Why don't you let me go? And Laban said, oh no, the Lord's been blessing me because of you. My flocks have increased, and I really didn't have anything before you came. So name your wage. And so Jacob says, I don't want anything from you, but I'll take all the speckled sheep and goats, and all the striped sheep and goats, and that'll be my wage. And so, Laban's sons, they see that 
Jacob's doing well. And when he starts getting all of the, the striped and speckled sheep, they all become, all, the whole flock gets, becomes like that. And so Laban's sons, they're saying, wow, our inheritance is going away because our father's stuff isn't producing and Jacob's is. So they were envious. And uh, James 3.16 says, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So the envy that Laban's sons had, it was pretty great, and uh, no good could come of that. And uh, verse 2, Jacob saw the attitude of Laban and beheld it was not friendly toward him as formerly. So Jacob could tell just by the way Laban was looking at him, he doesn't like me anymore. He's, uh, he's not friendly toward me anymore. And, uh, you know, even though Laban's sons thought that he was stealing what was Laban's, it really wasn't anything that Jacob was doing that was taking away from, his, from their father. It was just that God was blessing Jacob and, and taking all the wealth from Laban. So, you know, if, if Jacob heard about it, you know that Laban heard about it too. And uh, it was all good as long as when Jacob was working for him and was getting blessed and, and he was getting the increase. But as soon as things changed, um, he wasn't so happy about that. Verse 3, then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So God's commanding Jacob to do something. You know, God expects us to to do stuff. He doesn't want to just provide for us and say, hold out your hand and I'll give this to you. He says, you have to be involved in what I'm doing. And so... um, He's telling Jacob to go, go home. Now remember why Jacob left home. He left home because he had stolen Esau's birthright and Esau wanted to kill him and so he was afraid. He left out of fear. But those, with those last five words, Jesus gives us the same promise that he gave to Jacob. He says, I will be with you. So... All of that fear that Jacob has had, God is erasing that with a promise. And if we go to Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, we see that God gives us the same promise that he gave Jacob. He says in verse 18, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, that is his disciples, saying, All authority has been given me, in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Well, that's the age that we're in. And so we have that same promise. And when God makes a promise, you can count on it. But he, there again, he expects us to do something about it. He wants us to go and share the gospel with others. 
And so, but he's, he says, I'll be with you. Don't, don't worry about anything. I've got this, you know. God's the creator of the universe. And the Holy Spirit, when we accept Jesus, it dwells within us. And it's more powerful than anything on earth. So we don't need to fear because God is always with us. Well, let's look at... So, you know, if, uh, if Jacob had been able to leave back in chapter 30 when he wanted to, he'd have missed out on all of this wealth that God had created. God has his own timing plan, and uh, we don't always see that. Back in Genesis 30, verse 26, he says, Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, and let me depart, for you yourself know my service which I have rendered you. So he was ready to go. That was six years ago, before, before this time. And he was ready to go. But God had other ideas, and God had a plan to increase Jacob through the, the different crossbreeding that happened within the flocks. And so... If Jacob had left then, he wouldn't have had anything, but he, ha he became much more wealthy than Laban. And sometimes, you know, we, we ask something of God and we expect, oh, I want this and I want it now. But sometimes we just have to wait on the Lord because he has a better idea and he knows what's good for us. Okay, so verse 4. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to his flock in the field. So he didn't want anybody to hear what he was about to do because he was going to sneak off. So he calls his two wives out to the field where nobody can hear. And he said to them, I see your father's attitude that it is not friendly toward me as formerly, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to hurt me. If he spoke thus, the speckle shall be your wages, then all flock brought forth speckled. And if he spoke thus, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth striped. So, uh, God protected Jacob. Even though Jacob was fearful, God still protected him because he said he would. He said he'd be with him. And sure enough, all through all the trials that he went through, trying to get his wife and, and everything else, every time Laban tried to cheat him, God, or God had a, an answer and he he made sure that he still prospered. Now back in verse 35 of chapter 30, it says, So he removed on that day the striped and spotted male goats and all the speckled and spotted female goats, everyone with white in it, and all the black ones among the sheep, and gave them into the care of his sons. So apparently all the goats that, that Laban had, they were black, and all the sheep were white. Now, a black sheep in a white herd is pretty rare. 
When I was a kid, I lived 37 miles north of Rock Springs. And in the wintertime, you could go to Rock Springs and all the hills would be white. But it wasn't with snow, it was with sheep. And all these white sheep, but those white breeds, rather, when a, when a sheep herder had a band of sheep, there was about 3,000 to a band. And to count them and make sure none were missing, that would have been pretty difficult. So what they did is they took a black sheep. Every 100th sheep was black. And they mixed those in the herd. And so the herder just went out and counted the black sheep. And so one out of 100, that's about the ratio that would be there when God decided, all right, I'm going to take all of these and mix them and prosper Jacob. And so it wasn't anything that could have been natural that would happen. God had to have his hand in it. Thus God, in verse 9, he says, Thus God has taken away from your father's livestock and given them to me. In verse 10, And it came about at the time when the flock were mating that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the male goats which were mating were striped, speckled, and mottled. Now one thing about all of this breeding taking place back in chapter 30 is when you have livestock, if you have a purebred of one breed and you breed it to another breed, the offspring is usually stronger and more productive. It's, it's called heterosis. And so, actually, what God was doing was he was crossbreeding all these with recessive genes and creating superior, a superior mini-breed of, of sheep and goats for, for Jacob. Then the angel of God said to me, Jacob, and I said, here I am. Now the angel of God, it's not just any old angel. That angel is God. That angel is, was uh, God directly speaking to Jacob. He said, lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are speckled and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. So God's been watching all along. He's with Jacob wherever he goes. And he says, you know, I've been watching what Laban did. And so now that you've got this arrangement with Laban, I'm, I'm intervening and I'm giving you all of the wealth. So... God came to Jacob. You know, all through this, Jacob doesn't go to God. God goes to him. Just as Jesus came to us, we couldn't go to him for salvation. He came to earth to die on the cross and to be resurrected so that we could have eternal life. Not because we didn't have a way to go to him. We didn't have a way to pay for those sins. But he saw how we were and he came to us. And while we were yet sinners, he died for us. You know, he, he didn't wait for us even to be born. He did that. He took away all our sin before we were even born. 
So in verse 13, he says, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. So he's reminding Jacob, I'm the same God that was there when you made your vow to me. And sometimes I think God has to remind us of our repentance, remind us that we accepted him and, and we've committed our lives to him because it's easy to, to stray away. But uh, I think God has a lot of little ways that he uh, reminds us of who we are when we trust in him. So what was Jacob's vow? It was, it was uh, that he would follow God and that he would tithe and that God would be his God. So he'd been converted then, but he hadn't really totally submitted. And you know, that's, that's one thing about it. You know, it's easy for us to, to know who God is sometimes, but to really submit our lives to him, that takes a commitment, and, and that's what he expects us to do. So uh, Jacob, he's still kind of sneaky, and he's also fearful. You know, he doesn't have enough faith really to overcome all his fears. So, in verse 14, Rachel and Leah said to him, Do we still have any portion or inheritance of our father's house? Are we not reckoned by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and has also entirely consumed our purchase price. So, Laban wasn't a great businessman. He'd squandered all the money that they had from their dowry. Plus, he sold them. So they weren't too happy. And surely all, in verse 16, surely all the wealth which God has taken away from our father belongs to us and our children. Now then, do whatever God has said to you. So they're saying, you know, God's made you wealthy anyway. We might as well go with you. Sure, do whatever. Do whatever God says. You know, Laban, he's, he's a loser. We're going to go with you. And so that's, that's what they're doing. But of course, Jacob's learned a little bit about marriage. As we saw in the previous chapters, with all of the grief that he had over those two wives and their childbearing and all the discord that they had in their house, He's picked up a few things about how to deal with, with uh, his wives. And you know, it's important that we listen to our wives and our husbands, if, we're, if you're the wife, because God can speak to you through them. And uh, also, a lot of times, the wife has a different perspective. I've found that. I know that Linda, is my wife, is almost never wrong. And so... <laughs> I may think she's wrong, but then after I see what's going on, I find out, nope, she was right. And so we find that, uh, you know, it's good to get confirmation from your spouse when, you're, when you've got something major going on. You know, and if God speaks to you, that's a good place to go is to, to share that. So in verse 17... Then Jacob arose and put his children on his, and his wives upon camels 
And he drove away all his livestock and his property which he had gathered, his acquired livestock which he had gathered in Padanaram to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. So this wasn't a small undertaking. He took everything he had and he was pretty wealthy. And I think of the movie The Ten Commandments. If you've ever seen that, when they left Egypt, all the stuff that they were taking and what a bunch of hubbub was going on. And that's kind of probably the way they were going. They were traveling by camel. When Laban had gone to shear his flock, then Rachel stole the household idols that were her father's. Now these household idols, they were uh, teraphims. And of course, Laban was a pagan. And they were, teraphims were figurines of varying sizes, usually made of nude goddesses with enhanced physical features. And one of the, one of the uses of those would be to prove that you are the rightful heir when there's an inheritance. And so that may have been what Rachel had in mind, was that I'm going to use this someday and I'm going to take it. Dad owes me. So that's, that's what she did. And Jacob deceived Laban, the, the Armenian, by not telling him that he was fleeing. So... Jacob still has this fear and this sneakiness about him. And he could have put it up on a billboard that he was leaving. God had already told him he would be with him and that he would protect him. So he didn't have to be afraid. But his faith was a little bit light. And so he sneaks out because that's kind of the way Jacob is. So he fled with all that he had. And he rose and crossed the Euphrates River and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. Now, Gilead is almost into Canaan. It's almost where he was go- wanting to go, that hill country. And it's about 300 miles from where he was. And so it was quite a journey with all of the camels and the family and the, the flocks and everything. It was not something that would be uh, easy to do. It would be like... Uh, taking all of that from here about to Lyman, Wyoming. It's almost to Evanston, the other side of our state. So that's, uh, that would be quite a journey with that kind of a group. So Jacob, he sneaks away out of fear, even though God had told him he'd be with him. And Psalm 118.6 tells us, The Lord is with me. I will not fear, what can man do to me? So once again, if God's with us, who can be against us? He didn't have to have that fear, but he was a little light on faith still. Verse 22, when it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, Then he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him a distance of seven days' journey, and he overtook him in the hill country of Gilead. Well, Laban was shearing his sheep, so he had sent the flock, as we saw in verse 30. He'd sent his sheep about uh, three days away from Jacob's sheep. So that's how long it took him to find out. Now, it's interesting that he was able to catch him in seven days. That's quite a while. 
quite a bit behind considering he didn't have all those things to move. So Jacob was obviously in a hurry. He was hightailing to get away from Laban. But Laban caught him. And Jacob was still full of fear. How many times does God have to prove himself to us before we can trust him in all things? You know, a lot of times it's easy for us to say, oh, I trust in God. I trust Jesus. I trust, trust him completely. But then when the hard times come, we start trying to do things on our own and we start wondering, oh no, what's going to happen to me? Well, God's going to take care of us if we're in Christ. If we have Jesus as our Savior, He's going to be with us. He's promised that. And so we don't have to have fear. But in verse 24, God came to Laban, the Armenian, in a dream of the night and said to him, Be careful that you do not speak to Jacob either good or bad. So Laban, no doubt, he was ready to kill Jacob when he found him. He took off, he stole his idols, didn't say goodbye, took all the flocks. He's ready to kill him. And God says, don't mess with my boy, you know. He's mine. You leave him alone. <clears throat> so God's protecting him. In verse 25, Laban caught up with Jacob. Now Jacob had attached, had pitched his tent in the hill country, <clears throat> And Laban with his kinsmen camped in the hill country of Gilead. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives of the sword? He didn't really believe that his daughters would have left him without being forced to. And so he's really, he's lightened into Jacob, but he's also having to be careful because he can't, he can't, uh, he can't hurt him, and he can't try to convince him to come back with him because God's told him not to. Interesting thing about Laban, he believes God. He believes who God is. He knows, he knows that God is God, but he's not willing to submit. He's still a pagan. And, you know, we, we see that all the time. Even the demons, it says in the Bible, know who Jesus is. But unless we're willing to submit, unless we're willing to allow him to be the Lord of our lives, um, knowing about him doesn't cut it. And so that's why Jacob got blessed and Laban didn't because Laban was not willing to submit to God. He wanted to worship those idols all the time. <clears throat> Verse 27, Why did you flee secretly and deceive me? And did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with joy and with songs, with timbrel and with lyre. So Laban, he's so full of it, you know. He says, we'd have had a party if you'd have come and, and saw me before you left. You know, you didn't have to sneak away. Why'd you do that? Why'd you deceive me? <clears throat> and did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters? Now you have done foolishly. It is, my, it is in my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night, 
saying, Be careful not to speak either good or bad to Jacob. So Laban, he could could excuse Jacob for, uh, for leaving without notice. But then, uh, <clears throat> in verse 30, he, he tells us the real reason why he's so angry. He says, Now you have indeed gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? You know, he could have tolerated him leaving if he was feeling homesick. But when he stole his gods, that was the last straw because Laban was a, he was a pagan and those gods were pretty important to him even though they were just a piece of metal and the God of Jacob spoke to him plainly. He still wanted those gods to, to worship. And you know, we kind of have that sometimes ourselves. We may not have an idol figurine but we have things in our lives that are idols that are more important to us sometimes than God. And we have to watch out for that because like maybe, maybe it's a video game. Maybe it's uh, money. Maybe it's uh, a house. Whatever it is, God says, don't have any gods before me because I am God. And so it's important that we don't let anything come between us and God. And so that's what Laban was doing. And so Laban, didn't, he didn't get any blessings. And you know, when, when we have Jesus as our Savior, we may not get all the earthly blessings, but we have spiritual blessings and we have blessings that we're going to have for eternity. Or eternity. And so it's important that we keep Jesus number one. Then Jacob said to Laban, Because I was afraid. I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. So here Jacob's admitting, he's confessing, I was afraid. I'm always afraid. Verse 32, The one with whom you find your gods shall not live in the presence of our kinsmen. Point out what is yours among my belongings, and take it for yourself. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So the plot kind of thickens here. Now Rachel's kind of in a pickle because here's her husband telling, telling her dad, if you find these gods with Rachel, just kill her, you know? And so she's, uh, she's kind of in a bad place. And Jacob would have been in a bad place too if, if Laban had found those. But God has shown favor to Jacob. So did Jacob deserve all this favor that, that God shows him? No, he's kind of a sneaky little rascal. But he knows God and he trusts God and he has some faith in God and so God blesses him and shows him favor. And he does that through his grace. Grace is giving us what we don't deserve. Jacob didn't deserve that favor, but we don't deserve to be saved either. But Jesus gives us salvation through his grace. And all we have to do is have faith in him. And that's all Jacob had to do was have some faith in God 
and God showed his grace. So, verse 33, so Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two maids, but he did not find them. Then he went out of the, Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household idols and put them in the camel's saddle and she sat on them and Laban felt through all the tent but, not, but did not find them. So, uh, Rachel is pretty sneaky too. She learned all this from the best. She learned from Laban, her, her father, and her husband Jacob. She knew how to be a trickster. She said to her father, Let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is upon me. So he searched but did not find the household idols. So it was a custom, him being the father, that she would normally rise and bow and, and show him respect. But she said, you know, it's, it's that time of the month for me. I, uh, I can't do that now. And him being the dad said, okay, no problem. Don't get up. Then in verse 36, then Jacob became angry and contended with Laban. And Jacob said to Laban, what is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Though you have felt through all my goods, what have you found of all your household gods? Goods. Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that they may decide between us two. So Jacob spent 20 years serving this guy and, and biting his tongue and not saying anything. Now he's got his chance and he's going to lay into him. These 20 years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten the rams of your flocks. That which was torn of beasts, I did not bring you. I bore the loss of it myself. You required it of my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was. By day the heat consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. These twenty years I have been in your house. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, surely you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands, so he rendered judgment last night. So Jacob says, you know, if God hadn't intervened, you'd have ripped me off. You'd have taken everything. And that's just how you are, how you've treated me. And I'm not crazy about it. And so he lets him have it. So in verse 43, then Laban replied to Jacob, the daughters are my daughters and the children are my children and the flocks are my flocks and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these my daughters or to their children whom they have born. So he's saying, what's yours is mine and what's mine is mine, but I can't take it because God won't let me. And so he's kind of bummed. So in verse 44, so now come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So they're going to make a covenant 
Then Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Jacob said to his kinsmen, gather stones. So they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by that heap. Now Laban called it Jegershadatha, but Jacob called it Galid. Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore it was named Galid and Mizpah, for he said, May the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent one from another. Now that word Mizpah sometimes is misused by Christians where they, uh, they think when they say that it's a good thing, but really it's saying, you know, this shows that God will watch between you and me because I don't trust you as far as I could throw you, but God's going to watch. And so this is, God's my witness. Once again, here he is, he believes in God, but he doesn't follow God. If you mistreat my daughters, or if you take wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap, and behold the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness, and the pillar is a witness, that I will not pass by this heap for you to to you for harm, and you will not pass by this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his kinsmen to the meal, and they ate the meal and spent the night on the mountain. Early in the morning Laban rose and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to the, his place. So, Laban doesn't have another word to say to Jacob. He doesn't ever want to speak to him again. But he does kiss his daughters and his grandsons. And so, he goes back home, and Jacob continues on his way. And Laban doesn't have the blessings of God and he didn't have much when Jacob showed up, and when he left, he probably didn't have much either. So, uh, next week, Pastor Bob will start uh, Genesis 32. And it, during that, we're going to find that even though he still fears Esau, Jacob has enough faith in God's protection to re return home. So Jacob's faith is building. And as we have more faith, we, we don't need to fear. You know, um, the Bible tells us over 60 times, fear not, don't be afraid. So how do we overcome fear? By faith. If we have faith in Jesus Christ, we don't have to fear. And so um, the world is a scary place. But Psalm 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. And so, no matter what happens in this world, God is with us if we're in Jesus. But if, if we don't have Jesus as our Savior, if we haven't asked Him to be our Lord, we're in trouble. There is a lot to fear because it's a scary world and, and hell is even more scary. And the only way to avoid all of that is to accept Jesus. As Pastor Sean always says in Romans 10, 9, if you believe, if you confess with your 
mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so for anyone who hasn't done that, you have the promise of God of eternal life and that he'll be with you and that you don't have to be afraid of anything. So if you don't have that, the other promise is, you know, you're going to be damned. You're going to go to hell. And so those are the two choices that you have. And so if anybody hasn't made that choice for Jesus, I'd ask you, especially tonight, this is the time to do it. So with that, let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that uh, you do love us and that you are with us wherever we go and whatever we do, that you're, you're faithful to us even when we're not faithful to you, Lord. Just ask that you strengthen our faith that we would overcome what fears of this world are and that we would realize that uh, you're more powerful than anything in this world. And we just love you and we thank you and just ask you to bless each one here tonight and those who are watching other ways, Lord. We just ask for blessings for them. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.